As of right now, we are at war. How desperate you call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea. Bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast and resource devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined by my co-host and great friend, Chris Bruffett. What is going on, Chris? Nothing. Nothing and everything. Nothing and everything. Big news on the horizon. That's right. Cool stuff happening around Marvel. So speaking of that, what do you think of that new Black Widow trailer? Man, you know, I think that movie looks good. I don't think it was a great trailer. That's a good answer. David Harbour as Red Guardian is all I need. That's almost enough for me. I'm such a fanboy of just, I think he's just such a good actor. And and we're going to learn more yeah. about his character. Red Guardian, yeah. Yeah, we'll learn more about his character uh, next episode. That is right. So I cannot wait. No, it's a fun trailer. You know, Chris, my only, I guess, complaint, which is not even a complaint, is it it feels very Winter Soldier and stuff to me. Mm -hmm. And that obviously is going to bring a lot of people in. That's a great movie. But the fan in me actually prefers the more fantasy type side of superhero stuff, if that makes sense. Less of the Winter Soldier type. This is kind of a Bond film with a superhero type films because that's what cap's film was like she's too. not necessarily a metahuman and it makes sense winter soldier makes perfect sense it, her and winter soldier have been romantically tied in the past right both very heavily russian influenced it's gonna get pretty psychological i imagine though with, oh yeah with the red room and it'd just be more grounded i'm cool to see what marvel can do with a bond film yeah, of course, right? And I mean <laughs> they kind of did some of that in Winter Soldier, which I really liked. I really enjoyed. I just that white suit though, dude, looked amazing. I can't wait. I'm doing her in the white suit right now as we speak. It was Great. nice to see the trailer and kind of motivate going forward. But yeah, I'm excited. I just I lean more towards like, you know, like I said, the Guardians films and Spider Man and Sure. Doctor Strange and stuff where it's just a little more fantastical um on my superhero stuff. I like that a lot. Gonna see it, gonna love it. But also, Chris, we've been getting some games in. We hope you guys enjoyed our stream, cranking those games out. I'm really happy, Chris, that I got more terrain on the Ant-Man board because mm-hmm. I think it's an even better experience now just because we're still learning cover. We're still learning line Absolutely. of sight. We're still learning throwing things. Mm-hmm. So the more opportunities for that stuff, ways to make it more interesting. You know, the last thing I want this game to be is people all crowd around one objective and just doing a roll off. You know, you want some strategies, some some movement like we talked about in our previous right. episodes with flight and wall crawler. I want that stuff to really matter. So all the boards going forward I'm going to make are going to have probably more terrain than the average boards we're seeing. Uh, definitely more than the ones on Atomic Mass because they're trying to make boards basically out of only the core set and the terrain packs. Well, they're, you know? and they're also trying to show off what you're getting 
they're trying to accomplish a different goal from us exactly. just playing a game. Yeah, we're trying to make these really rich thematic boards. Speaking of, we got some more of those in the works. That's right. And you guys are making those happen. And that leads me right into our next topic. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy the show, consider supporting it with a monthly contribution. And right now, we want to thank all of our patrons for their support. You guys are making stuff happen, like the streaming, future video content that we're actually taking several steps towards, and all these boards we're working on to bring you guys a rich video experience. Also, just make the game more fun and appealing to new players. All this on Patreon is making this happen. We want to thank our newest patron, Seth R. Thank you so much for your support, man. You are helping make this podcast happen. That is right. Thank you, Seth, for taking a chance on us and joining our group. We're still in the early phases of our Patreon, Chris. So every time somebody joins, it is so exciting. Not that that will ever not be exciting. Just these people are kind of taking a leap and jumping on early on and helping us reach all these goals. We have so many goals. I just love being in on the ground floor, man. Yeah, I do too. And I I love that we can provide the the quality of content we can right now, but we want to improve that. We want to improve everything. Our equipment, our sound, our video content going forward, um, maybe even some other future content online in the form of text. So in order to happen, uh, we just need the Patreon. So everyone that's taken a chance and jumped on the Patreon, I want to thank you again. And just check out our tiers on our Patreon. It's a monthly opt-in service where you just shoot us a couple bucks from your coffee fund and um, you're directly supporting content like this. So thank you. Chris, let's go over to Lore. So Chris, we haven't even mentioned who we're covering today, which is exciting because this is someone I've been looking forward to get to. Who is the character we're doing today? Well, Jesse, I'm glad you asked. Otto Octavius, Dr. Octopus himself. That is right. What a classic, classic Spider-Man villain. Probably the most known of Probably. Spider-Man's rogue gallery, especially because at one point he is Spider-Man. That's right. <laughs> very, very He's been engaged, engaged to Aunt May, a tenant of Aunt May's, an employee of Peter Parker. He's just been around, man. Internship provider in some other sure. worlds, universes of Spider-Man. He has always been around, and you're right. He probably is the most recognizable villain, which, you know, Chris is saying something because I would say you could say that almost about all the other villains in some ways. They they come second barely. Sure. That's that's how notable his villains are. You mentioned someone like Venom or even one of the goblins. Like, oh yeah, these are huge villains. Right. Even Lizard and Vulture, people know them visually. Oh, yeah. Um, well, even great, people that don't amazing know Amazing designs. Yeah. And that's, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so many other villains, of course, that we love from the Spider-Man universe. I think Otto is probably the most notable because maybe because he's on a similar path as Peter, the, the science path. Super science. All that He's stuff. got the extra arms. He's he's just been around. He's been like in with his links to Aunt May. He's helped Spider-Man in certain right. times. I don't want to say he's the most dangerous of his villains sure he's just the one that compares to pete is almost a a direct counterpart to peter yeah he's kind of a different side of the spider-man coin he's what peter could be in alternate universe a dark side well and it's been it's been said that peter would be Otto octavius if he hadn't been raised with by good caretakers and with responsibility that makes perfect sense because with peter's intelligence like we covered last time that very well could spin out of control, Chris, and go a dark path like this. So, yeah, Dr. Octopus, he's just huge. And I feel like he's huge in culture, too. His suit and his arms are so 
quintessential, I think, is a big part of the comic book experience. I guess jumping off of what you were saying, Chris, that he's definitely the most recognizable Spider-Man villain. Well, let's take that one step further. He's probably in the top 10 or so most recognizable Marvel villains. Oh, absolutely. Certainly before the MCU came out, when it was just more based off of people's nebulous knowledge of the comics and cartoons and things like that. He certainly is at the top. So very notable he is in this core set and why we're covering him today. I'm very excited. So let's answer the question, who is Otto Octavius? We've covered a lot of it already, but the one thing we really haven't covered is that he is the core leader of the Sinister Six. Yes. And he has an alter ego. He refers to himself as the master planner. That's right. Often. He is charismatic leader. He is. Even when he's leading bad guys. I don't want to say a good leader. He's He is one step ahead of most people. He's going to pave the way, too, for a lot of other characters going forward, like Kingpin and stuff. So I like this. So leading right from that, Chris, what are Otto's powers? Well, uh, he is a genius in the field of atomic physics. He's even been called on by Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four to help with some uh, atomic theory and processes behind Invisible Woman's second complicated pregnancy. Man, comic books are weird. Comics are weird. <laughs> Especially when they cross over. He's a brilliant engineer. He's an inventor. He's also a superb strategist. And as I said, he's a charismatic leader. Due to his exposure to atomic radiation, Dr. Octopus has acquired the mental ability of psychokinetic control over four electronically powered, telescoping, prehensile titanium steel artificial tentacles. That's right. Those things are powerful now. They're very powerful. And I like that, Chris, you just talked about his psychokinetic connection and control because that is a big part of him that makes these kind of unique. This is not some sort of mech suit or... Or some sort of addition to him that you can remote controls. This is like directly tied into his brain, which is the interesting part. He can control them away from his body as well. Exactly. He has used them to bust out of prison a couple of times. So let's talk about these arms. Each of these four arms is capable of lifting several tons. Of course. Provided, of course, that at least one arm is supporting Octavius on the ground. He His body cannot withstand that. Nope. He is but a mortal man. <laughs> he is. <laughs> The reaction time and agility of his uh, mechanical appendages are enhanced far beyond the range attainable from normal human musculature. The arms allow Octavius to move rapidly over any terrain, hence the wall crawler feature. Oh, yeah. A scale of vertical surfaces and ceilings. And he's developed a concentration and control to the point that he can engage a single opponent, say Spider-Man, mm-hmm. or even multiple opponents while, you know. Still drinking a cup of coffee. <laughs> I know. It's it's pretty Sipping wild. It's pretty cool. It is cool. Now, he is often underestimated when it comes to hand-to-hand combat because mm. of his portly nature and nearsightedness sure. and, and all that. But he is a very skilled combatant. So, Chris, let's talk about his first appearance in comics. Dr. Octopus first appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man number three, which is in July of 1963. And was, of course, created by writer Stan Lee and artist Steve Ditko. Are you guys sick of hearing those names yet? Yeah, right? Notice Spider-Man number three. So this is one of those things, Chris, like we talked about last episode. He didn't have his own series yet. He took off in his initial comic. And then, of course, now we're in the throes of actual Spider-Man, his series. And look who's right at the front, Dr. Octopus. He's been here since the very beginning of Spider-Man's inception, which is notable. It's why he's probably as prolific in culture like he is. He's been around for a long time, and he was there for all of 
Peter's rise to fame. He yeah. was he was one of the antagonists of these comics that folks were reading while they're growing up and just thinking about, fantasizing about, wondering about, you know, lost in that world. It's it's octopus. He's right there, man. Yeah, and I feel like you set up a lot of the archetypes, Chris, for Spider-Man going forward, which is kind of like the brilliant mad scientist experiments gone wrong, leading them to become a villain because now they're power crazed or control crazed. He's setting this up early on, way before some of the other characters we've yet to see in the Spider-Man universe at this point. So that's interesting, too, because it's a reoccurring theme in Spider-Man is this type of mad scientist characters that turn into villains. Very interesting. So, Chris... Let's talk about Otto's history through comics from the 60s to now, like we always do. Well, before we get too far into that, I do have (laughs) kind of an editorial note here. Okay. There have been some drastic changes to Otto Octavius in the last 10 years, specifically shortly after the Civil War event. These changes see Otto doing the old switcheroo with Peter Parker, literally becoming Spider-Man while Peter Parker is trapped in Otto's dying body. Mm. This lasted for a few years. Uh, He became the superior Spider-Man. And because of that, we're not going to cover anything past Civil War with his history. Because I desperately want Atomic Mass to create (laughs) Superior Spider-Man and give me a reason to have an episode where we deep dive into Otto's time as Spider-Man. Civil War wasn't that terribly long ago either chris and we've got a robust history with this character. exactly we have plenty to talk about today but i just wanted you guys to know why we are stopping a little short that's crazy chris you got to think about this is almost nearly a 60 year old character in the literature of these comics yeah that's just crazy so yeah of course they took a change with him the last oh decade. it was great yeah nice change it last was decade. such a fun for a thing to read 50 plus year olds character i specifically remember hearing about it happening and thinking to myself that's stupid and then i got around to reading it and it was amazing i'm glad you mentioned that here too because though i haven't read it i thought the same thing early on and it's on my read list which is great but i've heard the same things chris and i i've come around to it i think it's actually pretty neat and it's kind of riffing on what we just were talking about that what if they trade places what if there's an alternate reality where they Mm -hmm. switched or something Mm -hmm. like that it's exactly that very thing they they straight switched this is not they some alternate switched. reality this is this is the real deal so definitely check those out if you're interested in those and of course check out civil war like we've mentioned time and time again because this kind of sets up all that stuff moving forward that right. 2000s craziness that's so entertaining but let's go to the auto's history chris from the 60s onward all right uh auto was born in schenectady new york he had a pretty tough childhood. His father, Torbent, was a factory worker and was very abusive and violent towards both Otto and his mother, Mary. Young Otto was a shy, did great in school, but as a result, he was bullied. This was back in the days when being a good student got you bullied. Mm. Unlike today, now the jocks are good students, too, <laughs> and being smart is cool. Yeah, thanks, that's right. Thanks, comic books. Yeah, I know. Thanks, comic books. <laughs> thanks, nerd culture. Mary would uh, try to defend his her son from his father's rage and... You know, he was upset that his his son was being bullied. Mary would try to defend him and saying he's going to win these fights with his brains, not his fists. And, you know, yada, yada. It just didn't go over very well. Due to his mother's insistence and her disgust towards uh, manual labor, Otto was determined not to become like his father. Through all his efforts into his education, he was a top student. His devotion paid off. He was awarded a scholarship 
where he went on to study. And during his freshman years of college, his father died in an industrial accident. And that really pushed Otto towards studying like physical science, physical engineering, things like that. Right. After graduating, Otto found a job at an engineering firm. So Otto becomes a brilliant, respected nuclear physicist, atomic research consultant, inventor, lecturer. Mm. Uh, and this is when he design, designs the arms to help him work in the atomic field. That's right. Can control the arms, not get radiated, you know, do all of the experiments he needs to do. Pretty cool, pretty ingenious. Of course, no one cared because his coworkers don't like him. Oh. Poor guy. As I mentioned, his relationship with his coworkers is typically a hostile one, but a fellow researcher named Mary Elise Anders befriends him when he impressed her with this with a demonstration of the arms and the harness and the two begin courting Otto proposes but mom does not like her uh oh so he ends it to please his mother which you know <laughs> not a, not a great call bud yeah he ends things with his betrothed mm-hmm. to please his mother and he finds out that his mother is talking to and thinking about marrying um a man, a librarian. Otto does not like one bit. Some Bates Motel stuff going on here. We've got some two. weird issues going on. Yeah. But what happens is Otto kind of blows up on her. And during the scolding that he is giving her, she has a heart attack and dies. Terrible. <laughs> right? Gosh. This man, he's endured this physical man. and verbal abuse from his dad. And then his mom, in a lot of ways. Emotional, I would emotional say. Emotional abuse and kind of preventing him from moving forward with his life and that trope that works here. But we're seeing this theme again, Chris, of our Marvel villains. We've only had a few on this show. Red Skull, for instance, had a very similar childhood, though even worse. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of trauma in these characters' childhoods. And with the combination of their trauma and their hurt in their lives mixed with their brilliant minds, leads them to become these villains. So his mom, dead. Heart attack. She gone. She gone. Now, because of this, he's going to be even more difficult to get along with. Yeah. He's going to start being more careless in his work. This is when he earns the name Dr. Octopus. He's, this is his coworkers talking about him behind his back, making fun of the harness, which really they shouldn't have been. They should have been asking for harnesses <laughs> of their own. That's pretty cool. It's, uh, it's during this time that he accidentally becomes irradiated. And the harness becomes fused to Otto's flesh. Oh. So now the arms are attached. But it's here, and it's never 100% explained, but it's due to maybe a latent mutation, maybe the radiation, any number of things. This is when Otto's brain rewires itself to be able to handle having four more arms and mm. being able to use the the harnesses as after their yeah logistically as if they're his own appendages simultaneous to right. his regular limbs yeah right they're stuck to him and they become part of him this is when he starts to get into super villainy who would know he has eight limbs now so there you go <laughs> well six eight total he is a spider. oh yeah his his legs <laughs> He still uses those from time to time. Every once in a while. It's the oct- So, yeah, there's the octopus, the eight limbs. You know, side note, this is also when his his eyes became super sensitive to light, which is why he's, he's always wearing shades. 
real quick note there. Yeah. So now he's a supervillain and he is encountering Spider-Man for the first time ever. Defeats Peter in their first encounter, prompting Peter to almost give up superheroing. Johnny Storm of the Fantastic Four, the Human Torch, that, that talks Peter into returning to the fight and taking out Otto. Yeah, and this kind of, of course, Chris, starts and dominoes the rest of Spider-Man's history because now they're kind of always locked in this conflict. And that, of course, leads to Otto forming the Sinister Six, right. which kind of makes it permanent that, number one, Peter can't stop. He can't quit because there's an alliance of supervillains. But also just it kind of cements the Spider-Man storylines going forward because now the villains are working together against Spider-Man mm-hmm. and all sorts of things like that. So it's just, it's a really pivotal that Peter went back and they fought again and they just have this constant back and forth, right? Always. These two are forever linked. You mentioned that he formed the Sinister Sticks and right. he leads the Sinister Sticks. Crucial. To the point where if anyone ever forms the Sinister Six without him or calls on everybody and tries to lead their own plan, Otto gets a little, Kingpin. little bent out of shape, you know, and that just, that's that's his ego. So anyway, his crowning achievement of evil comes comes shortly after and he where he nearly kills the Black Cat, which can't wait for her to be in this game either. Seriously, yeah. Give me a good pose for her. Oh, has to Yeah, be. has to be. Now at this point, he's getting into extra evil territory is what we're saying Chris. So, well, <laughs> he's trying to actually murder people he's he's trying he doesn't quite do it and because of this he receives a beating from spider-man that he has never received before <laughs> this he he gets beaten within an inch of his life by spidey because you know spidey and the black cat at the time were an item yeah. and partners well and peter doesn't kill people too right so that's kind of yeah, just beat him close to death. Good job, Peter. So the trauma of this beating he receives from Spider-Man leaves Octavius afraid of Spider-Man and spiders in general. He develops arachnophobia, and he needs to be treated for this acute arachnophobia. Spider-Man is forced to let his nemesis beat him in combat to get over this fear. What a Spider-Man move. What a sp- Well, he needs it. He, he needs Octavius... To help save New York from an exploding nuclear reactor. Right. And Octavius is the number nuclear one expert. expert in this field. Oof. So Spider-Man lets him win. And then Spider-Man convinces Otto that he has to save the city in order to prove that he won and let Spider-Man live in the shame of this defeat. So now we're moving on to the clone saga. Oh, boy. And this is pretty wild right here. Yeah, so at this point, Octopus saves Spider-Man from certain death by a poison injected by the Vulture. Right. Although this was only because he he desired to be the one to kill Spider-Man himself. Once again, that locked-in combat, this is kind of that Megatron, Optimus Prime thing. Absolutely. The Autobots will be down on their luck from someone else like Starscream or somebody, and Megatron will go kill this person because he's saying, no, no, you're doing what I've always wanted to do. We talked about these two are linked, always. This is kind of always the way of things. So it's funny that Vulture actually had Spider-Man that close to death. So during the healing process, he discovered Spider-Man's identity and then allowed himself to be taken in by police, expecting to be saved by his accomplice slash lover, Stunner. 
I don't know much about Stunner. I don't either. But it's really interesting that turn of events. That's a lot of crazy stuff. So him learning who oh, yeah. Peter is. It's it's gonna get more wild. Buckle up. I know, right? However, Stunner was knocked out. At this point, Doctor Octopus was murdered by the insane clone Kane. So Scarlet <laughs> Spider, yeah, offs Doctor Octopus. That is insane. What a twist. So at this point. Carolyn Trainer takes over as Dr. Octopus. Right. Until her teacher was resurrected by the ninja cult, The Hand. Obviously tied to Daredevil deeply. Also Ninja Turtles, because every time I think of The Hand. I know. I can't even get over it. Season two of Daredevil on Netflix was literally Ninja Turtles 2 in a long season <laughs> form. And I just cannot, I can't get over it. Uh, I love it. So but which I mean- <laughs> turtle is Daredevil? <laughs> That's a good question. You want to say Leo with your gut, but you're like, ah. Uh, no, he he I has. I think he's Raph. I think he's Raphael. Yeah, at least in the show. Yeah, and definitely in the new show. But it's just so funny. So now we have once again we have kind of the Fantastic Four, Daredevil, and Spider Man all intertwined because you got to remember these were Stan Lee's earlier babies. Really? Oh yeah. I mean, he had other characters out there, of course, but these were like his true full writing credit things. Even with my limited deep dive knowledge of comics, I kind of love the crossover. So. At this point, Octavius is resurrected, but we also talked about Carolyn Trainer, Chris. This is the female Dr. Octopus, right? Yeah, and she's made some appearances in, in cartoons. Yep. She made an appearance in uh, Into the Spider-Verse. That's right. She was the other universe yeah. where Carolyn was just Oct the whole time in the other universe. I love this kind of stuff. So upon Doc Oct's resurrection, it was revealed that he had no knowledge of Spider-Man's identity as the memories he gained came from a computer chip provided by Carolyn and the memory of Spider-Man's identity had not been recorded at the time of his death. So he's brought back and he's kind of uploaded all of his old memories by Carolyn kind of catch you up to speed, but she didn't catch that, that knowledge of Peter's identity. So once again, this is a convenient way of resetting the story between the two. And once again, they're kind of interlocked and starting all over Chris. It's, it's Optimus Megatron all over again. Like they did not have their past in some ways. I don't know. This is this is crazy stuff. This major event is going to take us up to Sabor. Well, for the most part, Otto kind of putters around in the uh, Mar- in the six one six for a second, up leading up to his next death, which will trigger him doing the old body swap. But I love Chris, even with our lore segments on villains. I'm noticing a juxtaposition because we're getting in deeper now but it's like they do less with the villains in marvel obviously because they don't appear every single time with these they're, heroes a hero, do. they're a hero centric company you know it's a lot like the differences between if you're a fan of of wrestling at all old school wrestling where you would have rick flair in the nwa the bad guy would be the title holder be a very villain driven company where the villains are are driving the stories whereas in the wwf you had hulk the number one good guy of all time right i mean actual bad person but whatever and it would be a very a very hero oriented centered story and centered whole promotion and i kind of feel that way is a difference between marvel and dc yeah in a lot of ways marvel is powered by the personality of their heroes, whereas DC is powered by the personality of their villains. Yeah, and even their plots, right? As in right. their worlds, what's happening in their worlds more than Marvel. Marvel's 
does get to the point in the 2000s onward where it becomes these major, major crossover events. And it is more about the plot and the world. And, oh, there's a there's a main character in the background there that right. has two lines. That aside, I just find it interesting because we get to do these back to back, a hero and a villain, which is so exciting. And, you know, there's so much more content on heroes. So it's fun for us to do these deep dives on villains, though there's less content. For instance, we did Ultron. So much less information to pull on Ultron. Still super rich. And I'm really happy with our lore sections that we can make them to the standard, Chris. But it's just funny because when we do hero segments, we have to cut a ton. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And when we do villain segments, we might have to cut some as well. But it is more along the lines of we talked about with in Red Skull. Some of these villains are a constant force and they continue right. to come back. And they come back in different forms. But they're still the essential essence of the original character. And a lot of them start in the 60s and 70s. And so for them to come back, they have to reinvent themselves. But we don't get as much personal time with them, even though we do get a lot. Like a character like Octopus, his childhood was traumatic. We have a lot of personal time with him now, actually. But just read Superior Spider-Man. I cannot wait, Chris. That leads us right into appearances in the MCU of Dr. Octopus. And the irony of this, Chris, is in the modern MCU, the modern canon, we have none. None. This is our first character like this. Absolutely. And I think it's going to be the only character like this for a little while. Probably so. We will Until see. Until Venom, I guess. Until Venom, that's that's correct. What's interesting is Dr. Octopus and Venom both do have appearances in other media and other films prior to the MCU. So first appearance other than the Spider-Man cartoons, which were so well known, and he was very prominent in those. Oh, yeah. Is Spider-Man 2 by Sam Raimi, the first Spider-Man trilogy. Doc Aqua's the main villain, the major plot driver of that entire film. And at the time, super well realized on screen. Oh, absolutely. I loved Sam Raimi's history and horror, and of course, with Evil Dead. And doing the first scene, the arms are fused with his body and the way the arms defend themselves while they're oh, being yeah. operated on and they're trying to be removed. They don't want that. <laughs> they're fused no. in. So they, we actually have a horror scene of just the arms murdering people. Very unexpected and very true to the character because in a way, we didn't really talk about this much earlier, but the arms all have a little bit of a personality too. It's kind of this weird thing. They're like dogs, but that you control with your mind. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, they're never idle. They're never idle fully. Right. It's interesting. It's like a cat's tail. I'm not sure what to say about it, but it's interesting. <laughs> it's like a cat's tail, right? Or something yeah, where they don't they have, have to be moving. Yeah. And they don't always have 100% Even control. if he's out subconsciously, he doesn't want those things removed from him. So mm-hmm. I love know, they're going to fight. Spider-Man 2, which, you know, by a lot of people is considered the best of the old Spider-Man films. He's the villain in this. They nailed him pretty well. Other than this, Chris, we only have a couple other appearances of him in modern movies. You do movies. get to see the superior Spider-Man in... Yes. Into the Spider-Verse. That's right. You also get to see the female Octavius in the Spider-Verse right. as well. So we we do have another modern representation of him in film, but once again, not in the MCU. So when is he coming to the MCU, specifically Tom Holland's Spider-Man films? We can only hope for the next one. <laughs> I agree. Because how cool would it be if they pulled off the superior Spider-Man arc too? Oh man, that would actually be insane. They've hinted around at Iron Spider already. They have. Why don't you go all the way? See, that gets my head spinning, Chris, because like Octopus is obviously a prime target to be the next villain for the next Spider-Man film, but maybe they don't go that route at all. Maybe they pursue a different They villain. might not. This is just me hoping. Yeah. What's interesting, too, Chris, is I also look at the Amazing Spider-Man trilogy that came after the Spider-Man trilogy, and it seems 
all the villains they've done, they have not really treaded, retreaded ground very much intentionally, I think, to give people something new every time. Yeah. Hence why we got Lizard and Amazing Spider-Man and things like that. I So I don't know, maybe Marvel's waiting a little bit. I was really, really thrilled they did Mysterio in this last film, though super popular and though fairly well known, a lot more of a curveball than doing Octopus. Sure. So they obviously have good reason not to do Octopus yet. So I'm excited to see what Hopefully they do with that. Hopefully that's because they have plans. I'm hoping they do too. And it would be neat to see Octopus maybe a little later on in the modern Spider-Man films because now he can be that leader. He can be that Sinister Six starter. I don't know. That might be a really neat way to do it. Oh man, if the Sinister Six got their own movie. Whew, that would cool be craziness. That be? That's all with his films, Chris, but we got to finish like we always do our lore section. Give us some comic book recommendations. Only two this week. There are a lot of recommendations if you really want to get into the old school nitty gritty with with Doc Ock. You're going to have to go back into the 60s, 70s, and 80s. I cannot highly recommend enough reading Superior Spider-Man by Dan Slott. Okay. It's super fun, super good. And then another more recent great story arc with Otto is Cold Arms. That's the name of the issue. It's also the story arc. It begins in Amazing Spider-Man at uh, issue number 43 from the 2002 volume. I will definitely read Superior Spider-Man. I cannot wait. But Chris, let's get over to strategy. So if you guys want to follow along at home, pull out your Dr. Octopus card from your course set or check out our social media where we post pictures of these cards we're going through on the show. You can follow along. His name is Dr. Octopus. His alter ego, like we said earlier, is Otto Octavius. Chris, what are his stats? Well, his healthy side is going to be 5 stamina, medium speed, height 2, threat 3, and his defenses are going to be as follows. Physical 4, energy 3, and mystic 4. That is right, Chris. And his injured side? It's going to stay exactly the same other than he's going to gain one more stamina. So 6 stamina instead of 5. Okay, so that stands out to me already, Chris. He is a direct flip of Ultron. Ultron starts off healthier and goes down because he's starting to lose his bodies, like we talked about, and maybe right. some of his adamantium. Ock is the opposite. You've made the arms mad, and he's gained one health. Very similar to Captain America. When he gets flipped, he is stronger. He has one more health. Same thing with Dr. Octopus. Anything else stand out to you about his stats, Chris? Because a couple of these seem pretty interesting. I think the Mystic Four is pretty interesting to me. It's thematically on point and Absolutely. very interesting because going off of what we talked about in previous episodes, guys, three seems to be that baseline. Anything above or below is notable. So that mystic being four is is quite substantial. His threat three, he's going to fit into a lot of lists. I like this a lot. This is my favorite part because last episode we did Peter, who was threat four. Threat four is much more difficult to fit in the list, Chris, than threat three and two, of course, because of just numbers. But that aside, the combinations we have right now mixed with the number of objectives, you are going to get more use out of a three threat character because we have a limited amount of points we're working with right now. So I think for that reason alone, this guy might be around for a while, but we'll see. I, I obviously love the four mystic because his mind is so sharp. And they've, they've said in the game time and time again, the flavor of Mystic is mental power and 
some form of defense against mystic arts and things like that. So when we see the mystic number, it doesn't always necessarily mean all the way mystic, like maybe a Doctor Strange or something, right? or all the way the brain power, like a Doc Ock. So that's cool that it covers both bases because it works. Four physical, that's great. Three energy, that seems to be his weakness. He just has the baseline basic defense of three. The only other thing I noticed, Chris, I mean, medium speed's great. I'm glad he's not slow. And something I did a double take on the first time when I saw his card was the height two. I certainly imagine he'd be height three or something just because oh, of the okay. arms. Okay. But I think this was a one of those moments we talked about in the past, making the game better over the theme or whatever, because clearly he's massive when he's on his legs and he's massive with his arms up, but that would not make him very strong. Because remember, if you're height three, that means that any terrain that is below that, you can be seen no cover. Right. So Ultron makes sense that he gets no cover from that car, right? You know, he doesn't have any nerve endings in those. Right. In those so arms. he can craft, he so can he, go down he behind can the car. Get hit by a little bit. That's just interesting. And I'm glad that he's not height three. But let's move Me on too. to his attacks. His first attack, Chris, is a physical attack. It's strike. It's range three, a strength of four, and a zero power cost. After the attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. It also has a wild trigger. Flurry of arms. When making this attack, each wild in the attack roll counts as two successes. Now, that's the first time we've seen an instance of this particular wild. I'm glad you mentioned that, yeah. And it's really cool. It is really cool. So, Chris, the only other wilds we've seen thus far in the game have been some sort of control option, a push or a pull or something along those lines. This is just, Auk is better with wilds. He gets more damage. He gets more damage through. Which means more power. That's right. More power, more damage. And I think this is going to start showcasing a theme of his character, which is he's not really flashy, but he does damage. In congruence with this idea, Chris, his strike is range three. Pretty uncommon thus far in the game. Very nice. Everyone's been that range two, especially with their melee strike like this. It makes perfect sense that these arms can reach out to range three and slash somebody um, Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. this strike attack. I just like that, that he has a little bit more range on his basic strike. It's just cool that that's a range three. The only other character we've seen on our show so far, Chris, which was a recent venture in our show, was Iron Man. And his strike is not even called strike. It's called Repulsor Blast, and it's range four. So, of course, Iron Man outranges Doc Ock. But so far, that makes now Doc Ock in the middle. Most people are two. Every once in a while, we have a longer range turret character, like a Captain Marvel or a Iron Man. But Doc's kind of in the middle, that range three. Nice. Now let's talk about his next attack, my personal favorite of these. It's called Arm Lasers. It is an energy-based attack. It is range four, strength six, and it's going to cost three power. This attack ignores line of sight, and the defending character does not benefit from cover. Now on a wild, it gains pierce. Pierce reads like this. Change one of the defending character's critical, wild, or block results to a blank. Holy cow. I love this attack. Our first instance of Pierce in the game, further cementing what I just said a little bit earlier, Chris, that he is just a damaged character. There's not a lot of frills about him, but he has consistency with his dice and consistency with damage. And the reasons that is, is, you know, earlier we have wild on the flurry of arms. He gets extra successes to get damage through on his first attack. Well, now his second attack, it does cost three power, but it's a strength six, which is great. Ignores line of sight and cover, which is great. So, And then when they actually roll defense on their dice, he's going to pierce through it. Our first instance of pierce in the game. And it turns out, Chris, in these miniatures games, 
Pierce is huge. Generally speaking, it's a good thing for <laughs> you. I can't imagine this ever being bad, taking away someone's block. So he just straight pierces through all the results on the dice that give you a block. I just love the fact that a strength sixth attack with Pierce is ignoring light of sight and ignoring cover. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's gross. Well, and this is obviously a really strong attack, too, against people with lower defense because you're essentially taking away one of their dice. So say someone like a Black Widow who actually has a defense of two on her energy, which is terrible. Right. Essentially take one of those away because whatever she rolls on that second dice, you're piercing through. Well, and you're taking away her cover, too, which... It's just kind of guaranteed damage in a weird way. Once again, Chris, pierce, more damage. I love it. He only has two attacks. Once again, this is a simpler character. So let's move on to his superpowers. So let's talk about his first superpower. It is an active power. It's called Ox Clutches. Choose an interactive terrain feature of size two or less and within range three and throw it short. This superpower can only be used once per turn. Power cost is three. So you're going to pick up that car. You're going to pick up that light, that mailbox, that trash. That's right. And you're going to throw it. Why would you not be throwing? We've talked, <laughs> we've covered this, Jesse. We have. You should be throwing everything you can before it can be thrown at you. That's right. Throwing is huge just because we've talked about many times before. You're removing cover. You're changing the scenery. You're getting instant hits on somebody that they have to dodge. It's great. But most importantly, it's a free action if you can right. afford the cost of this. So, yeah, Chris, you can throw that size too. And that's notable because we don't really have that many throws in the game yet. I, I say that because there's a majority of characters in the game that don't throw. And of course we had Ultron and Captain Marvel, those heavy hitters with that size three throw makes perfect sense thematically for them. But last episode we had Peter who once again has this exact same throw as Doc Ock, the size two for the same cost, Chris. But I mean, anything else notable about this throw? Something that stands out to me is this is the first threat three character that has a throw. Good point, because those three I just mentioned were all right, threat all four. All threat four. This is a cheaper way to get a throw into your team than having to take one of your heavy hitters, or maybe it's just a little bit more diversity with Doc Ock on your team. So Chris, he only has two more superpowers, and the next one is an innate superpower called scientific hubris. Whenever this character rolls dice... After the effect is resolved, it gains one power if it rolled at least one critical result. How cool is that, man? Man, this is getting so cool with his mind and his his speed of his his genius. On his strike, if he rolls wilds, he gets extra successes. Whenever he rolls crits on any type of dice roll, so this includes defense chris nasty he gains extra power because he's it's like he's gaining wisdom or something he's researching right so we right it's so interesting this gets really interesting chris with things like the arm laser where it's six dice right kind of amazing it's great and of course we've always said on the show anything that involves crits is great because crits give you more dice rolls (laughs) right which can potentially lead to more crits but you know this doesn't stack it's just one crit one power per roll Sure. So you're not going to gain That's power nice, for every crit you roll. You're going to gain power if you roll a crit. But imagine that power. strike where you're getting more oh, successes yeah. from wilds and say you roll a crit in there. Now you're getting all this power from the strike plus one more power from scientific hubris. I absolutely love it. And Chris, his last power, nothing too flashy. We talked about it last week with Peter. 
Of course, Doc Ogg has it. He has the innate superpower wall crawler. And once again, for the purposes of this game, that is a thematic version of Fly. So, so far, we've only had three instances of Fly. Now two wall crawlers. We have Tony, Carol, Ultron, and Peter and Doc. So they're the only characters so far in the game that are out that can just ignore all terrain, climb whatever that they want. Onto. There will be plenty more. It's good Count stuff on it. I love it. It just is a nice little feature of him that makes perfect thematic sense, but it's a nice little twist because he's just it kind helps. of an aggro character right. with consistency with his dice. So it's nice for him to kind of maneuver around the battlefield in whatever way he it's, wants. It's going to help him get away. It's going to help him get to points where he can get those unobstructed shots off. Oh, I love it. Easier. It's going to help even just get in range quicker because of course the arm strike is the arm lasers are going to ex- ignore line of sight and oh, yeah. ignore cover. So you just got to get them within range. And if you can go up and over, it's a lot shorter than going around. You're absolutely right. And let's not forget too, Chris, just that fleshed out boards are going to have more scatter right. than not fleshed out boards. Also, that means if you're doing your board right and making your city and things like that, you're going to put terrain and scatter on top of buildings too. So he's going to even want to be up there to throw that stuff. It's just, it all makes mm. sense because, you know, these some of these ground characters, they would take several actions to get up there via their shorter move. They might not even be throwing that stuff, but, you know, now he has access to that. And remember, it's everything in the game is on a even plane when measuring right. line of sight. So you could be throwing one of those uh, air conditioner units on top of a building straight down on somebody with his free superpower to throw other than pay the power cost i love it any final thoughts on this character before we get into his sculpt chris you know when i have used this character i've really enjoyed him he has always been kind of a focal point of my movement and my offensive capabilities in the games where i have used him and i haven't been mad about it the arm lasers have been awesome yeah, it's neat attack. They have done a lot of good for me. I think he's a really good character. I plan on using him quite a bit. Yeah, he's a little bit more vanilla character, Chris, and there's nothing wrong with that. There needs to be the Doc Ox. He's the got Iron one Mans. job. Yeah, the Doc Ox. I like that. The Iron Mans and the Crossbones of the game where they're just those three threat type heroes that do some damage, but they don't really do a lot of crazy weird superpowers or control or anything like that. I just love it. I love the theme of playing him. It's just fun. He's probably not one of the more characters i'm going to gravitate towards every time just because he has less options but less options isn't bad chris when he has a good stat line and good attacks that you're going to fill that in your list from time to time i feel like less less options just makes my gameplay easier that's probably Gives me true. an easier decision <laughs> and i just like blowing two things attacks up. and he has two actually superpowers you actively use so you really can laser focus on how to use him best which is neat and I like his uh, scientific hubris. Like, it's neat that if you roll well, it is cool. it's even better for you. So, Chris, let's finish up like we always do. This man's sculpt. What do we think about Octavius's sculpt? He's looking pretty upset. <laughs> yes, he is. Crossed arms, glasses on. Kind of scowling. He's scowling. His little, little pouting going on. Yep. The arms are up. We have some in the attack mode and some in the closed mode. I really like that. I mean, oh, yeah. it's a neat looking model. Once again, probably half the reason he's in this core set, other than he's just a perfect stat line to fit in this three threat spot. He's a counterpoint to Peter. And visually, this on the table draws people over. Oh, yeah. If you have a nice painted Doc Ock and people come over, they know exactly who he is. Bingo. If they're interested in this game at all, or maybe even Marvel, they know who this man is, even if they're not giant fans. So I love that, you know. I'm going to do some base alterations, Chris, as we know, Ooh. I like to do, and I'm going to try to get him up on his arms because I think Fun. it is 
essential to me for him to at least be up on one or two arms like you mentioned earlier that'll um, be cool i'm excited about that so keep an eye on our social media for that but other than that that's my only complaint with him it's not really a complaint because he's on the ground from time to time i just prefer him in the walking mode because it's so neat oh yeah especially with those crossed arms because he does do that from time to time oh yeah yeah he's, he's got to he's relaxing he's drinking that tea we talked he's about. got it he's got to drink that tea while he fights uh peter parker yeah Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Definitely check out those tiers, guys. We still don't have anyone at the Avengers level, which is a producer of every episode. But if you're a producer, you're being mentioned every single episode. Your name is being read. If that's important to you or you like to hear that or you just like to help us out, check that tier out as well. Check out our streams of Marvel Crisis Protocol at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest. And also catch our streams of Star Wars Legion at twitch.tv slash the canon cantina thank you to anyone that's been following us there we've certainly got a bunch of you guys jumping on in recent weeks which is exactly what helps us out and make the stream even better twitch actually cares about the number of followers you have also what i want to do chris is just every time we go live i want people to get a notification via twitch i don't want people to have to go find one of our social media pages like facebook or something accidentally stumble upon yeah and, and look for it i want them to know and enjoy it on their time. So if they're free at the time and you get a live notification, if you follow us, because you certainly will, that we are going live and streaming some Marvel Crisis Protocol. So please follow our Twitch page. And if you're interested in Star Wars Legion, we got a lot of stuff planned coming up for the Canon Cantina Legion stream. Namely, there's a new format in the game, Chris, and it's a little bit more like MCP. It's a three by three skirmish format. We're going to give that a shot too. So it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Give us a follow. Follow the show on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast, Instagram at Fury's Finest, and facebook.com slash Fury's Finest. Email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com and leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. This is content we're going to read on future mailbag episodes. And I want to thank everyone that has actually left us a review and emailed us in some form. This stuff is going to be brought up on future episodes. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And please remember to subscribe, rate, and review and help spread the word about our show. You can find me, Jesse, on Twitter and Instagram at J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. I'm also on the Marvel Crisis Protocol page under my name. Just hit me up anytime. Several of you guys have reached out to me with DMs. Thank you for that. It's very humbling. Also, I'm happy to answer questions anytime, whether it be rules or terrain or anything just to benefit this game's community. That is my goal, Chris. I'm trying my very best to put all my free time into that. Also, check out my Star Wars show, The Canon Cantina, at The Canon Cantina. A lot of Star Wars going on right now. It's a little almost too much. I'm on cloud nine. We got the Mandalorian and rise of Skywalker. So please check out our show there. You can follow me, Chris on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, C H R I S B R U F F E T T. Thanks for listening. True believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ben Buck says you're wrong. These smart arms are controlled by my brain through a neural link. 
nanowires feed directly into my cerebellum, allowing me to use these arms to control fusion reaction in an environment no human hand could enter. Doctor, if the artificial intelligence in the arms is as advanced as you suggest, uh, couldn't that make you vulnerable to them? How right you are. Which is why I developed this inhibitor chip to protect my higher brain function. It means I maintain control of these arms instead of them controlling me. 